0: Bible and uh, everybody receive a copy of the outline. Anybody did not get a copy of the outline, and uh, some of you guys keep your hands up there. And uh, we got a, got some of the guys with the outlines there, and want to make sure everybody has a copy. Uh, a lot of these uh, character studies that we're looking at on Sunday nights are uh, not necessarily topical studies, but in a sense they are. And what I mean by topical is that uh, there's plenty of supporting scriptures. Uh, Tonight we're going to be looking at quite a few verses in 2 Kings chapter number 4 and around there. So if you want to look, you can use the outline or you can turn your Bibles there. We'll be spending some time in 2 Kings chapter number 4. But uh, I've been enjoying these studies. I hope that you have too. God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And when I think about myself or any of us, Uh, There's nothing special about us, but there is something special about our God. And I'm glad that God is in the business of using people. I was telling one of our men earlier uh, before the service that oftentimes we we do things that we shouldn't do. Uh, We're not obedient the way we should be. And many times we listen to the lies of the devil that God couldn't use us. And uh, listen, God can and God will use us. And remember, God will forgive us of all unrighteousness, all right? And so keep that in mind, and so we want to make sure that we understand that going into tonight's outline. I was reading as, by way of introduction, a true account of during World War II that England needed to increase its production of coal. Winston Churchill called together labor leaders to enlist their support. At the end of his presentation, uh, Churchill asked them to picture in their minds a parade which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. First, he said, would come the soldiers in the parade who had kept the vital sea lanes open. Then after them would come the soldiers who had come home from uh, Dunkirk and then gone on to defeat uh, Rommel in Africa, and then would come the pilots who had driven the Luftwaffe uh, from the sky, and then last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miner's caps. Somebody would cry from that crowd where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 throats would come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. Deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. You know, not every job and everything that you would do in the, in the area of ministry in the church not everything within the church is a glamorous or prominent job. Some might be coveted more than others, but it is often the people as those in Churchill's day with their faces to the coal who really are the ones that help the church to accomplish its mission. Tonight I want to look at a woman, I mentioned this morning a little bit about her, that played what I would call a huge Behind the scenes role. Her contribution in her day was hugely significant. I wish tonight, as we get into the study, that I could tell you what her name is, but be honest with you, from the Word of God, I, I don't even know what it is. But I want you to look in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 8. And the Bible introduces her, and it says this that it fell on a day when Elisha passed to Shunem where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. Now, the woman that is being referred to here, oftentimes in our Bible, we call her the Shunammite woman. That's how she's identified from the city of Shunamm. And when we look at her name in scripture, we know that this woman was extraordinary, because the Bible says in verse number eight, as you saw it there, she's described as a great woman. Now, that doesn't mean she was large, okay? She was a great woman, and we're going to find out tonight why she was a great woman. What was the extra in her life that caused the Spirit of God to call this woman great? And I really feel, as I as study for this, that The greatness that she had was tied to her commitment to serve others, to serve others. You'll see that tonight. This woman embodies all of the best elements that you think of when you picture a person that is selfless, that's always giving of herself to meet the needs of others. She found real joy in serving people. Uh, She just enjoyed that in her life. And because of her service, she was able to do things and experience things that most people often never get the opportunity to. Jesus himself taught about this principle of serving others, and he he was hitting on the fact that serving others is the key to greatness. Look what he said in Matthew 20, verse 26. He says, It shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. In other words, give your life to serve others, to help others like this woman, this Shunammite woman that was great, she ministered, she was a servant. When we serve others, here's what happens, is it brings joy and it brings satisfaction in our lives. Why? Why? Because we're being a blessing to someone by helping them, by serving them. So what are some of the things we can learn from this woman that the Bible identifies as a great woman? Notice the first thing we can learn tonight is that we, like her, we need to let disappointment lead to divine appointments. Let disappointment lead to divine appointments. Uh, As I was looking through this and and preparing for the uh, outline tonight and the message, I I was thinking about this matter of disappointments. And there's a lot of disappointments in life, but uh, it's kind of funny nowadays how when people find out that they're going to have a child, how they do what they call the gender reveal. Have any of you seen some of these kind of crazy things? Like I saw this uh, family, it was a a father and a mother. They already had, I don't know, three, four kids. They had some kind of things that looked like balls, about this big, and I'd never seen these before, and they had put a white sheet on the fence, and, and every one of them had one in their hands, and so at one time, every last one of them, as hard as they could, they threw them at that white sheet, and they were all supposed to explode and either be pink or blue. Every one of them threw, every one of them hit the white sheet, and every one of them just bounced off of it and landed on the ground. Not one of them them exploded. And the one son, he must have been about seven, he's like, so what is it? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? What is it? And so the dad picks up one, and he throws it as hard as he can, and it actually knocks the white sheet off the fence, and it still doesn't break. And I thought, that's an epic fail right there. Maybe it's one of those non-gender babies. I don't know. But I saw one that really got me. There was a family, and I don't know where mom was. Maybe she was running the camera. I don't know what she was doing. I never heard her voice. This was about four or five years ago, and it went, it went viral. And, uh, and so the dad, they, were, they decided that they were going to do this gender reveal to their children. Now, they had two daughters and a son. So they decided this is what we're gonna do. So they they baked a cake, and the cake on the inside either had pink icing or or filling or whatever it was or blue. And they 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 icing the cake with white icing, they put some decoration on the top of it. They set the three kids around the table and they had the camera on them. And so the kids knew that they were that once they cut the cake that if it was blue on the inside, they were going to have a brother, and if it was pink on the inside, they were going to have a sister. And so the time came, and Dad took a knife, he cut a big, huge piece of this cake, and and he basically gave them something where they could kind of pull that piece out, and as they pulled it out, it would expose whatever was on the inside. And so here they are, the two sisters are sitting there, the brother's sitting there, and, and they slide the piece of cake out, and it's pink and the little boy is looking at it and he starts crying, he's angry. He is shouting at the top of his lungs, it's another girl, I hate girls. Every time it's girl, it's a girl, it's a girl, it's too much girls, he said. I mean, I watched this, it's three minutes long. He literally says in this thing, I want to move out, all these girls, I don't want, and I'm thinking to myself, that's, that was my life whenever I was a kid, you know, too many girls. There was some, some real disappointment in that kid's heart. He's like, I wanted a brother. I wanted the inside of the cake to be blue and not pink, you know, but listen, can I tell you like this woman tonight that oftentimes we need to let the disappointments lead us divine appointments. Sometimes heartaches and disappointments can come from unmet expectations. That happens in people's lives. This Shunammite woman, she certainly knew this matter of disappointment. I want you to look in, in, right there in 2 Kings chapter 4 and look at verse number 14. The Bible says in part of that verse, verily she hath no child and her husband is old. So here she is. In her culture, being childless was a major trauma. I mean, many times it was how you kept the family name going and you maybe had a family business or something along those lines but to have an heir, to have a child. And the Bible says here that she knew what disappointment was, that she had, listen, she did not have a child and her husband was an old man by this time, but where this woman turned the ordinary in her life into extraordinary really reveals her greatness because it was her decision to handle her disappointment, here's the key, in faith. She decided Listen, I don't understand it. I don't really know why this has happened. uh, Hannah in the Bible was just like that. I don't know why God has chosen this, but still in her life, she had faith that God was in control. At some point in her life, and this is key, she decided because of the way things had gone in her life, she decided to direct her desire for motherhood into a decision to pour her love and her support into other people. And she thought, listen, if that is what the Lord wants, if that is God's will for my life, then I'm not going to squander that love. I'm not going to let that love dry up. I'm going to take that love that I would have for a child, and I'm going to invest it and pour it into others. The Bible tells us that this woman lived in this city called Shunem. The city was uh, this is key, this city was where the prophet Elisha would pass as he would travel to and from the place known as Mount Carmel. He would go by this city. And as as he would travel there, he realized that as he did, that that Elisha, this woman realized Elisha must be tired, she must be hungry from his travels. They didn't have Motel 6 with the light on, right? And so there, there weren't always places where people could go and find a room. And, and so you know, oftentimes, in, still in churches today, a lot of churches, I wish we had a space in our church, they call them prophets' chambers. Anybody ever heard that in the church? And it's, it's a little room maybe where, like if there's a, a traveling missionary or a traveling preacher or something, that the church will put them up in that room and let them stay at the church and it's just a place where they can come in get some rest so that they could go on their way and here's this woman who in her heart she wanted to pour her love or support into others she knows about elisha she knows that he's traveling to and from his home near mount carmel and she realizes the man has to be tired as he's out traveling. He has to be hungry from his travels. So what does she do? She voluntarily served and provided for Elisha. Look what it says in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 9. Listen to what this woman says. She says unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually." Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. That's a great thought. She says, hey, look, why don't we be accommodating to this man that that is doing the work of God. He needs a place to rest, to, 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 to regenerate. Uh, He needs someone to maybe serve him a meal or whatever it may be. I mean, we had the missionaries that were here not too long ago, we had them over to our house. And, you know, a lot of times we might take them out to eat or whatever, just, you know, just they they need to eat and so on. But we decided we were going to have them over to our house and we had them over, had a great time. We we cooked a meal and had a meal for them. We were sitting there eating and my wife said to them, she said, uh, do you guys get home cooked meals all the time? And, and both of them looked at each other and said, we hardly ever get a home-cooked meal. And they said, man, this was awesome. I mean, they ate and ate and ate. I, I, for a while, I was wondering if they had eaten in a long time. And they just enjoyed a home-cooked meal. And this, this woman that we don't know her name, she says, look, uh, God hasn't given me children, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that love that I would pour into a child and I'm going to direct that into other people. I'm going to serve God by helping other people. Are you with me tonight? Yeah. And so here's what this woman does is she, she sees this, she understands this about Elisha, the prophet. And, and as Christians tonight, look, the Bible tells us that we too should be given to hospitality. What that means is we should be welcoming to guests or even to strangers. And certainly, Elijah was a stranger to this lady. She, he, she didn't really know him, but she did know, hey, he passes by here all the time. I see this guy all the time coming by here. And so she welcomes him into her home. Matter of fact, you see early on, the word, she constrained him. I mean, she pretty much said, you're eating in my house, whether you like it or not. You know, it's like one time I sat down with my, my wife and my, my, my wife's grandmother, who was all of probably four foot five or whatever she was, and, and she had this habit that when f- food was passed around the table, a lot of times as a kid, I, I, had a good, I had good parents that if something came around the table that I didn't like, I just passed it on past me. But you didn't do that with her grandma. They called her mamaw. And when it came around, and I saw that it was Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Listen, don't tell me you like them, because I'll I'll think you're unsaved, all right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. And so I passed those on by. Now, listen, if they would have been fried, uh, anything good is fried, right? But these weren't fried. These were boiled Brussels sprouts, you know? And I'm like, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. So I passed those on by. And she grabbed that plate out of my wife's hand, and she she took the spoon, and she scooped up some, and she put it on my plate. And I looked at her, and I started to say, what are you doing? And then I realized who I was about to say that to. And I said, I I don't want any of those. And she said, you'll take a no-thank-you serving. I'd never heard that before, a no-thank-you serving. But that's what she called it. And I choked down those Brussels sprouts. You know, listen, I'm going to tell you something. When Elisha was traveling around, and he's, listen, the dust of the Holy Land. I mean, he's traveling around. I'm going to tell you, even in that day, even Brussels sprouts would have been good to Elisha. I mean, he he didn't have places that he could go in, and so she constrains him to stay at their house for a meal. And among this woman's gifts, hey, you've got to love a woman that knows how to cook. And that was one of her gifts. I mean, that's one of the spiritual gifts. One of the nematokos is cooking. I mean, it's in the Bible. You'll have to find it somewhere. It's in there somewhere. But listen, this woman, she used the gift or the ability that she had to cook. I love that. You find the same thing in the Bible, in the book of Acts. There was a woman by the name of Tabitha, or her name was Dorcas. Anybody remember what she did for a living? She was, she was a seamstress. And, and when, when she passed away, do you remember in the Bible how all the women stood around and they all had something in their hands or they were all crying and carrying on? You know, it was, it was, it was a woman's event. They were all just carrying on, crying, sobbing because they were thinking about all the things that she had made for them, how she had been a blessing to them. Now, look, you know, I never, I never really thought about doing drywall work as being a blessing but I'm going to tell you, God's allowed me to, to do a lot of drywall work in churches and, and Christians' homes over the years. And, and I've just tried to use whatever abilities that God gives to me. And here's a woman, she says, look, I can't do much. God hasn't blessed me with a child, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to help this man. I want to be hospitable to this man. And what does Peter write in 1 Peter 4.10? As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I mean, this became a regular thing. Look, any woman that could cook, the guy's going to keep coming back. That's why most of you men got married, because she could cook, and you're like, hey, this is a good thing. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep. Now, some of you women married him for the very same reason, because he can cook. But, but look, Elisha, he, he had come in here, she constrained him, she fed him, and Elisha thought, hey, this is pretty good food. And so it became a regular thing for Elisha to stop by the house of the Shunammite woman and to visit for maybe a meal, maybe to get some rest before he would travel. But one day, one day, Elisha wanted to know, you've been so good to me. You, you have been above and beyond to me. You you have been such a blessing. Is there something I can do for you? Some way that I can show my appreciation to you for all you've done for me? And he asked this, he inquires. And I think as he was there, I mean, certainly it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out this woman had no children. It was just her and her husband. And so, Elisha probably found out, maybe from being there, from talking to her, he began to know her pain, her unmixed expectation, her desire that she had in her heart. And so, the Bible records that Elisha actually had a plan. I want you to see it in 2 Kings 4, look at verse 14. He said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child. Her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. Now, when I read that and I began to think about that, I mean, here's this woman that pretty much had learned to be content with the state that she found herself in. She was happy serving and helping other people, being a blessing, pouring her love into other people. And that because of her kindness towards this man, because she didn't let her disappointment end her life. This man says, this man of God says, what can be done for her? See, if she would have let her disappointment consume her, she would have missed out on the divine appointment with Elisha. I hope you see that tonight. See, she was on the lookout for opportunities. She was looking for ways to serve and to be hospitable. And because she was looking for opportunities to be a blessing, guess what happened? God blessed her for it. God blessed this woman. Disappointments will come to all of us, but listen, those disappointments, they don't have to define us. We can get beyond those disappointments. We also, like this woman, need to remain on the lookout for ways that we can serve others. With our life, with the gift that God has given to us, Look, you'll find that being a part of God's plan, doing what God has given to you, has greater rewards than you can ask or you can think. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about a dear couple to our church that has moved away, Jerry and Carla Deacon. Most of you that know Jerry and Carla, there's no doubt in my mind Jerry and Carla would have loved to have kids. I never heard them complain one time. But you know what I saw? I saw the same thing as the Shunammite woman. They just said, look, if that's what you want, God, we're gonna take the love that's in our heart and we're gonna serve you and we're gonna pour it into children. And that's what they did week in and week out while they were here. All those years they served God, they poured their hearts into those that they had an opportunity to. See, they didn't let the disappointments end their lives. They looked past the disappointment. And they, 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 the, the, the disappointment became opportunities for God to work for divine appointments. And so from this Shunammite woman, listen, we too need to understand that we should not let disappointment lead to, to, to where we'll just give up and, and, and say, look, I just, I, I just don't know what to do from here. But allow God to, to bring about divine appointments in our lives. But look at the second lesson I learned tonight from this woman is that we need to let service increase our insight. Let your service increase your insight. Now, when you see this woman here in in 2 Kings chapter 4, she identified early on Elisha, and we read it just a minute ago, as a prophet of God. Now, she identified him as a prophet of God without ever this man revealing it to her. You know, I've had people, I went over to Walmart the other day, we were doing some work around here, and we were out in the shed, and I was actually wearing a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. I walked into Walmart, and I bought some stuff, I went up to the, the counter, I was back there in the uh, lawn and garden section, there's a there's a checkout back there, and I went back there to avoid all the all the checkout lanes, and all the people, and all that, just to get in and get out, and I'm standing there, and there's this tall, probably 20, 19, 20, 21-year-old boy standing there, and he's working the register, and and he looks up, and he sees me, and he goes, you're a pastor, aren't you? I said, yeah, you can tell, can't you? I'm I'm standing there wearing a t-shirt and shorts. I said, yeah, look just like one, don't I? I don't know what a pastor looks like, but for some reason, this boy said, you're a pastor, aren't you? I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. He says, where do you pastor? And I said, right behind the Walmart, right here. Bible Baptist Church. He goes, yeah, I used to come to that church. And I looked at his name tag and I said, well, London, when's the last time you've been here? And he says, well, I moved away. And I thought he was talking about I moved up to, you know, Fort Pierce or something. He says, yeah, I moved away. I moved to Miramar. (laughs) Like I live in Miramar. I come to church every week. I mean, what's your deal, London? Get back to church is what I told him, you know. But look, th- this woman, she identified Elisha and Elisha had never revealed that to her. She said to her husband, I perceive that this man is an holy man of God. So what does she do? She serves Elisha. She realized that Elisha was dedicated to God. And as she served him, she identified that he had a need in his life. Now, did you hear that? By serving She began to know him. She began to know he was dedicated to God. She would have never known that had she not served him. She also began to identify certain needs in his life as she served him. See, many times we don't serve others and then we don't get to know people. We don't get to know about specific needs. So what does she do? She urges her husband, hey, you know what? We've always been talking about this, honey, but why don't we add on to the house? You know, and he looks at her like, what are you talking about? We haven't talked about that. She says, listen, I, I think we ought to add a room on. You know, and the, and, and she, she says, look, we could use that room to help this man. He comes by here all the time. He doesn't have anywhere to, to get some rest, maybe get something to eat. When I was in Bible college, I was in the state of Tennessee and I was actually looking for work, and one of the first jobs that came to me, this man called me and said, hey, listen, can you come over? I have some work I'd like for you to take a look at. I went over there. I began to talk to him, and he says, look, he says, it's not on my house. He says, it's out here, and we walked out the back of his house, and down uh, almost like a, maybe a quarter of an acre from there, there was a little bitty house sitting there, and he says, that's, that's the house that I want you to work on, and we walked down there, and he began to show me some stuff about the house, and I said to him, I said, so is this your house? And he says, no. And I said, well, whose house is this? And he says, well, I'm building it. He says, but I'm building it for a retired pastor. I said, that's awesome. You know, I had a chance to work on that house and get that house. Look, the same thing was this situation was she wanted to build this room. She wanted a place where the man of God could come. This insight was key to her greatness because it was connected to our service. When we commit to serving others, guess what's going to happen is we will start to see things that we would have otherwise missed. Did you hear that? When we serve, we will see things. It's a great thing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 15, and don't misunderstand this verse. He that is spiritual, judgeth all things now listen, oftentimes you see that word judgeth there and we think negative, but what's the word right before the word judgeth in that verse? spiritual so look, if you really understand the Bible it's not a negative connotation here with that word judgeth because it's talking about that which is spiritual, a person that's spiritual. notice he judgeth all things yet he himself is judged of no man now the word Paul uses here, and he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the word judge does not mean having a judgmental attitude. It actually is a reference to a discernment, to a sensitivity, to seeing something that maybe somebody else would not have noticed. It was being spiritually minded. See, sometimes there's needs in people's lives, and because we're not spiritually minded, we're not discerning. We're not spiritually judging all things. We walk right past that person. We don't meet that need because we don't see that need. But it's kind of an interesting thing. When you're serving God and you're serving others, you begin to see those things. You begin to notice things that other people would not have noticed. There's a great example of this in the Bible. Remember the first miracle that Jesus performed where he turned the water into wine at the marriage in Cana of Galilee. And oftentimes people want to use that as a proof text. See there, Jesus Jesus believed in wine. Jesus drank wine, you know, and that's what they want to say. They don't know the Bible because that would contradict the word of God. Now, when you look at that miracle, here's what happened was, is these wedding feasts back in Bible days, they oftentimes would last for about a week. I mean, you talk about a party. They knew how to party. And and so here they were, they 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 would they would they would give a certain drink to their guest, and when that drink was gone, then they would come out with something that was different than what they had served, because oftentimes the taste buds are affected by what they received first, to where they wouldn't recognize it whenever they whenever they bring out that which is different. You with me? You understand what I'm saying? And uh, I think you guys understand, uh, taste buds and senses and things like that oftentimes can become dulled. So what happens at the marriage? They run out of drink. And so remember, uh, Jesus' mother's there, and she says, hey, they have nothing to drink. So Jesus tells them to take these water pots, which contain two or three firkins apiece, and he says, fill them up with what? Fill them up with what? H2O, right? So they fill them up. And as a matter of fact, the passage says they filled them to the brim. In other words, there was no way to add something to it. They were completely full of what? Water. Water. And so after they filled them with water, without waiting for the water to uh, somehow turn rotten by process, they poured that water that they had just filled them up with they pour it out, and the governor of the feast, which was the one that officiated over these, these feasts, he's the one that he says, here, I, I have to taste that and make sure that everything's okay. And so he tastes it, and he says, whoa, wait a minute. What happened? And it's interesting because when you look at the passage, look at John 2, 9 there, when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that was made wine and knew not whence it was. In other words, he wasn't discerning, he wasn't judging, okay? But notice what it does say in parenthesis. But the servants which drew the water, they knew, they discerned. Why? Because they were there when Jesus said, fill them up. And they were there when Jesus said, pour them out. That's why it's called a miracle, folks, all right? And by the way, every time you see the word wine in the Bible doesn't mean an alcoholic beverage, one where somebody's going to get drunk. You have to understand and study there are many words that, that were translated wine in the Bible. And that's not the issue tonight. But the issue is, is that just like this Shunammite woman, those individuals, those servants, they had insight and that insight was increased as they served. That's what happened in her life. She was serving uh, Elisha. She was trying to be a blessing to him. And as she served him, she began, began to gain in insight. Her insight increased. If we use what we have to serve God and to serve others, it will lead us to an understanding or it will add to our lives. Look what it says in Psalm 119, verse 100. The psalmist writes, I understand more than the ancients because I have kept thy what? Precepts. Precepts. See, as you spend time in the Word of God, you gain insight. You begin to understand things. Look, wisdom doesn't come with gray hair. I've met a lot of gray-haired people that are not very wise. So, look, we need to understand tonight that service is an avenue to increase our insight. Look what Paul writes in Philippians nine: This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. How? In knowledge and in all judgment. What's he talking about? He's talking about growth. Growth comes as we obediently serve. As we serve God, as we serve others, We're going to grow as a Christian. We're going to grow in our spiritual insight. We're going to be more discerning about things. Our insight increases, and as it does, the Lord makes our next steps known to us. That's what happened with the Shunammite woman. Look, she, she just saw this man who had a need in his life and she didn't have children. He says, she said, Hey honey, let's build a a little room for this guy where we can bring him in. We can be a blessing to him. I could cook for him. I could serve him some meals, give him a bed, maybe give him a little table, a little candle. He can read the word of God. And they began to do that. And as she's serving this man, God begins to give her insight. All right. Everybody with me so far? All right, let's bring it home tonight. Look at number three. Here's the third lesson. We need to let our trials lead us to truth. Let your trials lead you to truth. Now, one of the common traits, and this has been as we've been going through this series on Sunday night, and you can find it even beyond this series in the Bible, one of the common traits we find in the lives of people that did extraordinary things for God was their ability to handle the trials of life in the right way. See, everybody handles things differently. See, somebody that has the right spirit, the right attitude is gonna handle even trials in the right way. The Shunammite woman overcame her painful disappointment by being unable to have children and lived to serve others and she did that as she brought fulfillment and joy. In other words, God blessed her. Well, how did God bless her? God gave her a son. Remember what Elisha said? What can I do for this woman? Now, there's, look, it wasn't Elisha. It was God blessing the Shunammite woman because of what she had done for him. And he no doubt went to God on her behalf and, and interesting how God blessed her, how God gave her fulfillment. God gave her joy. Like other women in the Bible where they were up in years and they thought it's beyond the time for me to bear a child. And yet God not only done it for this woman, but he had done it for other women. See, a lot of times we're thinking just like, just like uh, Nicodemus. Uh, can, can I enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born again? You know, we think I'm past the age of childbearing. See, all the times we think in in matters and realms of our finiteness. God is infinite. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can think or ask. Do you believe that tonight? I hope you do because our God is all-powerful. God can do anything. And can I remind you tonight that it might be in the context of Elisha But it wasn't Elisha that gave the blessing to this woman. It was God that blessed this woman. Why? Because she had been a blessing to one of God's men. And I want you to see tonight something that happens because the woman does get blessed by God. She does receive a child, a son. And it seemed like everything in her life that she had always wanted, the pain that she had in her life, it seemed like maybe that pain had started to fade away. But then the story takes a turn. Look what it says in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 18. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon, And what happened? And he died. Now here it is. One of the biggest trials in her life. I mean, she thought having no children was something. But now she has has had a child, and the child dies. The trial that came into her life, trials of life can take us by surprise, but they never take God by surprise. God knows the end from the beginning. God often uses trials to bring about truth about himself, to bring it into light so that we can see God working. And it's interesting that this woman's son dies. But listen, when her son died, she didn't prepare a funeral. It's kind of interesting what what she does. Instead of doing what most people would do, I mean, no doubt her son, his life was over. Most people would have started to prepare a funeral and start to make arrangements, but not this woman. She, on the other hand, she began to prepare for a miracle. She takes her son, she takes him to this room that they had for the prophet, the man of God, Elisha. She takes him in there and she lays him out on the bed that they had prepared for Elisha. She doesn't stop there because the Bible then says that she then begins to do some other things. Now, the act that she did sounds very familiar because if you remember in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 17, look at this with Elijah. Elijah. It came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What shall I do with thee? Thou, O thou man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom, carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. Now, perhaps from that passage, In 1 Kings 17, maybe this Shunammite woman here in 2 Kings, maybe she had heard about that miracle. Maybe she had heard what Elijah did, and maybe she hoped that the same thing could be done for her son, not by Elijah, but now by Elisha. So after she lays her son out on this bed, here's what the Bible says she does. She takes about a five to six mile ride on a donkey. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've been on a lot of modes of transportation. That's not one that I would want to be on. She rides five to six miles on this donkey. Where does she go? She goes to Mount Carmel. She goes to meet Elisha. And when she gets there, look what the Bible says. As she begins to draw near, Elisha instructed his servant Gehazi to ask this woman. And notice what it says there in verse 26. Verse 26. Run now, I pray thee, he says, to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And I want you to see what she answers. It is what? Well. How how could this woman say it's well? It wasn't well. What an incredible answer. The word well that is there, I know there's someone in this room tonight that's going to enjoy this. The word well is the Hebrew word shalom. Anybody know what shalom means? Peace. So here she is. She says, it is well. I mean, how could this woman be at peace? Certainly she had questions in her heart. Why would this happen? I don't understand this. God finally gives me a child. She needed truth. She needed answers to what was going on to those questions, but she trusted God, and that's why she had peace in her heart. She said, look, it is well. Years ago, I read this account, never got over it. In 1873, a man by the name of Horatio, uh, Horatio Spafford who was a successful college, uh, Chicago lawyer he booked a passage to Europe aboard the SS Villa du, du Havre for he and his family they were taking a much needed vacation listen to this they were taking the vacation after his only son had died and their real estate holdings were wiped out by the Chicago fire of 1871 A last-minute business issue came up, and it delayed him, and so Spafford wasn't able to go with his family. He sent his wife and his four daughters ahead of him on board ship. He planned to join them later on, and as his wife and children got on board the ship, on November 22nd, the ship carrying his family was struck by another ship and sank in just 12 minutes. Spafford received the news that only his wife had survived the wreckage. Later on, when they were able to, Spafford and his wife, who was still grieving, they sailed to the place where his daughters had perished in the ocean. And it was at that spot that Spafford wrote the words that we know to the song, It is well with my soul." What an amazing testimony. Son and four daughters. Everything that he had wiped out. And just like this Shunammite woman, he says, I'm at peace. You see, I find here an amazing situation. I mean, look, we could argue that this woman, just like Spafford, that things were not well. I mean, Spafford's finances, they were in jeopardy. All of his children were gone. He was heartbroken. But you know what Spafford was doing? Trusting God. The Bible says that, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So let's go back to 2 Kings. Here's this woman. Her son is gone. She rides to meet Elisha. Elisha asks, Is it okay? Is everything good? She says, it is well. But when Elisha heard what had happened, he returns with her. Look what it says in 2 Kings 4, and verse 33. He went in, therefore, and shut the door upon them twain. And he prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands. He stretched himself upon the child. And the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked into the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. And the child sneezed seven times. And the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. Now, did you see what I saw? Isn't it wonderful that God is the giver of life and God is the restorer of life? But before the woman took up her son, who's now alive again, don't miss what she did, look at it. She went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground. You know what she did? She worshiped God. See, she began to understand and acknowledge the source of this miracle. It wasn't Elisha. It was God blessing. She was grateful. See, through the trial, she saw God's provision was greater than her sacrifice. What an amazing display here in her life, no doubt if you were to meet this Shunammite woman today and you were to ask her, what's the goal of your life? Was the goal of your life to be known as a great woman? She would say to you, nope. She said, the goal of my life, it was just to serve others and to be a blessing. You see where it all started? It all started with a heart of love toward God. God's been good to me, and I just want to serve God. I want to help others. See, oftentimes it's about what we want, and what we need to realize is we need to make sure our priorities are in order, that we serve God, and as we serve God, God will increase our insight, and listen, he'll let our trials be turned to truth. See, we have the ability like this woman to serve others, to make an impact in others' lives. And while we are serving, even when trials come, while we are serving, we can use them as opportunities for growth. Well, I've learned some lessons from a woman that I don't even know what her name is. God's helped me to understand this matter of service, serving God and serving others. Let's bow our heads tonight. Lord, thank you for the truth that we saw tonight from an obscure passage in a book in the Old Testament, oftentimes we read the passage about the woman with the little bit of oil, the, the barrel of meal. Lord, it was about to run out. Right after that passage is this passage about this woman that has no name in the Scriptures. but God, she has taught us something from the Word. I pray that you'd help us to have a spirit to serve, to be given to hospitality. And as we do... God, you will bless us for it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take these lessons tonight and to incorporate them into our lives. Lord, bless our lives. Use us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, would you stand?